You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. So it's Valentine's Day, and I'm wondering how many of you got a box of chocolates. Some great philosopher once said, life like a Come on, help me. You guys can actually help me. Life is like, uh, oh, it feels so good to hear feedback. At any rate, Diana had to wait for hers, but this, this is an interesting tradition. Back when chocolate was coming about, it was for the rich. Most people, regular people, everyday people, the, most of the nations around the world did not have chocolate at their disposal. And then things started to change about the Middle Ages. And in 1861, there was this company called Cadbury. How many of you in, in, have heard of Cadbury chocolate? Cadbury chocolate was the first to figure out how to put a, a little set of chocolates in a box to sell to the masses. And it was a good product. Then in 1861, they came up with an idea. Let's sell it on Valentine's Day in a heart box. Sales skyrocketed. Not because of the chocolate, that was the same, but because of the, help me, the box. Isn't that interesting? A a little box can mean so much. And come on, isn't it great to get a box of chocolates? I get to eat some of these later because Diana, sorry, you don't get them all. But I share that with you today because Valentine's Day tends to be this moment in the year where we express what we should be saying all year long. You know, if, if you have to only share it on Valentine's Day, I'm not sure it's really love. And Jesus today in Mark chapter 8 is where we're at. Mark chapter 8, Jesus is going to ask his disciples how much they love him, what they think of him. And he's not looking for a box of chocolates. He's not even looking for words. He's not looking for a sentimental card. He's not looking for things that we would do traditionally to share our love but then move on with our life. The call of Christ is not about words but commitment. The call of Christ is not even about do but B. And today we're going to see that in Mark chapter 8. Now I think this is an amazing story. And here's why I like it. If you're watching online, if you're new to the faith, if, you're, if this is all fresh and new to you, this is going to be an amazing explanation of Christianity. Because what you're seeing here is that Jesus is not looking to establish a religion. He's trying to develop a relationship with us. And he's going to give four calls in this passage that we're going to look at, starting at Mark chapter 8, 27. And remember, if you've been following along in this series, Jesus, over the period of three years, has been moving through a ministry development process with his disciples. He, he did for his disciples. He's been doing with his disciples the ministry. And now he's ready to hand off the baton and say, I want you to do the ministry now. I want to let you do it. And I want to make sure you're prepared for that. And listen, friends, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, maybe what God has been doing this past year is giving you the baton. 
Maybe he's done doing for and doing with you because you've already had that. Maybe for you that are seasoned believers, he's really saying, come on, folks, it's time for you to take the baton and do it. And maybe if you're new watching this or listening today, maybe he's saying, don't you get it? I want to do for you. Or you're new to the faith and you've been following along and it's, it's fresh and exciting. He's saying, no, no, I don't want to just do it for you. I want to do it with you. I've got more for you today. And that's what he's going to do in Mark chapter 8. Four calls of Christ. One of them, I believe, and this, I'm telling you online, I'm telling you here, I believe he's going to say it to you personally today. Mark chapter 8 is an interesting passage. Jesus is continuing to do the ministry, but there's just this transition. In fact, we're only halfway through the book of Mark, but it's about two and a half years into the ministry. So he is really preparing to hand off the baton for this last season of his life. And he takes the disciples, verse 27, he takes the disciples on a little staff retreat. He navigates up to Caesarea Philippi. Now, if you don't know where that is, I'm telling you, it's one of the most amazing parts of the trip when we went to Israel with the Gibsons a couple years ago. It's this beautiful little place on the very north quadrant of Israel where the river of the Jordan, the Dan River, starts down the mountains and then starts creating these streams that create the river down further. It was the place where there was this engraving in the rock that was called the gates of Hades. You've read that before in scripture. Or the place of the skull. You've heard that before as well. And Jesus has taken his guys up away from all the crowds, away from Galilee and Jerusalem, so he can take them on a staff retreat to have a little conversation. Can you imagine? By the campfire. <laughs> hanging out with his buddies. Eating unleavened s'mores. It's good to hear laughter again. I'm saying, I never could hear it online. At any rate, and look what he says. Look what he says. He says, I want to ask you guys, you, you're my buds. I want to ask you a question. Who do people say that I am? And verse 28, they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others the prophets. Listen to that again. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. What are they talking about here? Well, Jesus is giving them a question that he expects an answer for. Like, Jesus tends to ask two types of questions. One that he expects you to answer because you kind of know or you need to find out. The other that he wants you to think about. This is the first type. Who do people say that I am? Who do they come to see? And the way New Testament uh, conversations happen... Most people, they would come up to you and say, well, who are you? Tell me about yourself. And you would start with a title or a label. Like, well, I'm the mother of three kids. I'm the father of this. I'm, I'm the husband of Esther Crocker. I'm, I'm, you know, I have all of these titles. I work in this kind of career. I do this kind of thing. I play this kind of sport. We all give those labels. In the New Testament, the way they labeled people was to compare them to somebody else. So who are they coming to see? Who is Jesus? And one would say, John the Baptist. What are they saying? He's this incredible leader that stands against the Pharisees, that stands against the culture, and he speaks the truth, and he calls and evangelizes people to turn back to God. He's this incredible leader. That's what we come to see in Jesus. And the other one says, well, he's, he's like Elijah. 
Elijah is this incredible miracle worker. He can call on the power of God and bring lightning and fire down on a mountain. He can, he can summon the power of God and push Ahab aside. He has this incredible miracle gift. That's the kind of Jesus we see. Third one says, well, he's kind of a prophet. He's the speaker of truth. He, he brings the words of God down and he speaks it to the world so that we can all understand what God is thinking. He's, he's the truth teller. And all of, listen carefully, all of you that are here, all of you online, listen carefully. By asking the question, Jesus has seen what kind of Jesus they're looking for. What kind of Jesus are you looking for? You're looking for a great leader to take on the day for us and fight for our rights? Are you looking, are you looking for a miracle worker that can heal or do whatever you want him to do for your sake? Are you looking, are you looking for a truth teller to teach you the truth and help you to understand what's right? I got good news for you. Jesus is all three. He's the only one. I'll bet you have a church style you look for just like this. I'll bet you have a leadership style you look for just like this. Jesus is all of them. And that's what the disciples are learning. What do you come to see when you look for Jesus? And that's exactly what Jesus is asking. I love the story of James Taylor. James Taylor, a missionary into remote parts of the world that never had even seen the rest of the world, let alone know about Jesus. And he navigated his way into Papua New Guinea, into these upper mountain regions, to a small tribe of people that had never had contact with anybody outside of their little neck of the woods in the mountains. They'd never even seen an outsider, let alone a white person, And here's James Taylor coming to get to know them, getting to know their language and telling them about all these stories about all the rest of the world and about Jesus and about everything else that goes on and nobody had ever seen. They had no bearing or context. James Taylor says there was a young man who was curious. So curious he would would never leave James Taylor's side. He wanted to hear everything about all these stories. He wanted to find out for himself what was out there. So one day this young man goes and cuts a whole bunch of vines and goes to the airplane that's down the hill where James Taylor had been arriving and ties himself to the fuselage of the plane. Can you do that? (laughs) Would you go tie yourself to a plane? We won't even give it in planes these days, right? But he's tying it and he tells his family before he goes, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care if I die. I've got to go see what James Taylor is talking about. You know how Jesus wants you to start showing him your love? Come and see. Don't let anything stop you. If you're new to Jesus, if you're watching this for the very first time, your first step is not to convert or to give your life up yet. He just wants you to come and see. Come and see who Jesus is. And you'll discover what you didn't know about him. Look what happens next. He asks that question. Then he's hanging around the campfire again. He says, okay, who do you say that I am? What about you? I don't know if this question was asked rhetorically or what, because nobody responded. For, and what I'm imagining in my head, just by reading the text and thinking about it, is they really struggled to answer it. But Peter didn't. I love Peter. 
He's bold, brash. Many times he opens his mouth. Many times the foot goes in. Peter says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warns them not to tell anything about him. You are the Messiah. What does that mean? Listen, that's more than just come and see. He's claiming something. When, when a Jew called Jesus a Messiah, he was saying so much about Jesus that's more than you can imagine. You hear the word Christ or Messiah and you think of a title for him. That's not what a Jew is saying about Messiah. He would be saying that Messiah is the anointed one of God. He is the son of God. He's, he's been anointed with the power from on high to be the one who comes from heaven to us. He's the anointed God. That's pretty powerful. And then he's also saying he's the righteousness of God. He knows exactly how to live. He's the example we should be following. He's the one that knows the truth and lives it. If we can live like Jesus, we would be living like God wants us to. And the third thing he's saying is he's the Savior. Not necessarily, probably wasn't even thinking about saving himself. He was probably thinking about saving Israel. Rescue us from, rescue us from all these Romans. Get us out of Dodge here. Save us, our nation. But he was accurate. He's the son of God. He's our righteousness. He's our savior. Peter was 100% right. And Jesus warns him not to say anything. If if you look at this story in Matthew or in Luke and other places, it's even got more to it. What Mark, maybe he wasn't there and he just heard this story. Maybe he didn't see this part. But Jesus has a statement to Peter as a result of this. He says, Simon, the fact that you know that is not something you came up with. That's a sign that the Spirit has come on you. When you identify me as the Savior and Lord of life, you are recognizing the Spirit's prompting in you to tell you that I am the Lord. And not only that, Simon, but your name, I'm going to change your identity. You're no longer that old guy that fished around. I'm naming you Peter Rock. And on this rock, on your confession, I will change your life. And you will carry my baton forward <laughs> and do ministry like un unbelievable ministry because on this confession, on this rock, I will build my church. That's what's written about Simon. And that's why this confession is so valuable and crucial. This is, by the way, why we use this confession right here when people give their lives to Jesus. Because you're not just saying he's a God or the God. You're not just talking about who he is. You're talking about what he's doing in your life. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. When you make that confession, you're doing exactly what Peter did. You're letting Messiah have reign on your life. And you know what he wants to do? Listen to what he said to Peter. I want to change you. I want you to be who I designed you to be. Not who you think you are, not who you want to be. I want to take that old Simon and make you into Peter. <laughs> and friends, just those of you that are here, that's what he does with you too. He wants to make you into who he designed you to be. 
And by the way, just because you gather today, he's been doing that all year long. He never stops. He's still trying to make you into who he wants you to be. Listen to that in a world that tries to let you decide who you are. Jesus wants you to become who he decides. By the way, that's a whole lot better than a box of chocolates. He doesn't want to just tell you he loves you. He doesn't want to just talk about loving you. He doesn't doesn't want to just gift you with love. He wants to fill you with his love to be who he wants you to be. Come and be is his calling in your life. Friends, when you surrender to Jesus, that's the gift he gives you. He lets you become all that he wants you to be. Takes the rest of your life but that's his calling. And then Jesus changes the whole language and the whole tenure of what's being discussed. Look what happens next. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Wait a minute, whoa, 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 Jesus. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That doesn't sound like Valentine's. That, that doesn't sound like Son of God to me? What are you talking about, Jesus? If you're the Son of God, then of course, everybody's going to honor you and praise you. You're going to be king of our nation. No, 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 you don't get it. I didn't come to just see or be. I came to do. The Son of Man came to serve, not be served. And he spoke plainly about this. And get this, Peter, again, here's the foot going in his mouth, right? Eating shoelace. He spoke, he says, turned aside, Jesus, pulled him aside, said, okay, Jesus, hang on, hang on. Let me correct you on that. That ain't gonna happen. (laughs) Peter rebukes Jesus. Just a sidebar, have you ever rebuked Jesus? Told him, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, we're not doing it that way, Jesus. You probably wouldn't say it out loud, but it's in there. And then Jesus says something incredible. He calls the crowd alongside him. Well, first of all, he says, verse 33, when Jesus turned, you got to see the physical. He's talking to Peter, and he turns his back on Peter. Peter didn't change, but he turns for Peter to walk behind him. And then he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, he's not physically looking at Peter when he says this, but he's really talking to Satan at this point. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In other words, I'm in charge, Satan, and I'm going the direction I'm called to go. I'm going to do what I was called to do, and you need to get behind me because that's where followers belong. And then just to back that up, he calls the crowds to him, verse 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple, there's the come and be, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is just changing completely from God doing for me or God doing with me to now I've got to do for God. Say that with me here, if you, audience, and audience at home, say it with me. You must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. 
You didn't say it very loud because you were really not sure, huh? You must deny yourself. Take up your cross. That's a do. He's already saved you. He's already rescued you. He's already your Messiah. Now you got to get behind him and start following. Back in Ohio, when I served as an elder there at our home church, I had this guy... We were, I was doing what was called calling. You go and visit people at their homes. Here in California, even before the pandemic, I couldn't even get people at their homes to go visit. But that's a whole other story. And he's talking to me about his walk and his spiritual life. And we were talking about this verse. I don't remember how it came up, but he said, yeah, 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 I know. I know that verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I got I to gotta carry my cross, you know. My wife is my cross to bear. Good thing she wasn't in the room. He may have found a cross in his future. My wife is my... No. That's not true. Oh, maybe some women have said, my husband is my cross to bear. My kids are my cross to bear. My work is my cross to bear. None of that's true. Your cross to bear is your calling. To pick up your cross, the calling on your life, to do the things he assigns you to do every day. That's your cross to bear. Yes, Valentine's Day, perfect day to talk about this. Your cross to bear is to be the servant in your marriage that you're called to be. It's to be the, the lover and the carer of your kids that you're called to be as parents. It's to serve and do your part in your environment, in your work, in your calling. Your calling is to do for Jesus what he would do if he were you. It's not about the other people, it's about you. You're called to come and do. And then Jesus, just to move on, then Jesus finishes this incredible call. I mean, these are progressive. You see this? He's come and see and check me out. Come and become who I want you to be. Now I want you to do, get behind me and follow me. I'm going to take you where I want you to go. There's one more calling, Peter. Guys, this is the one I want you to hear. And just to be candid with you, all of you online listening, just to be really crucially clarifying I think this is the calling Jesus is calling his church in this particular season right now. I think after a year of pandemic, this is what he's asking Christians to do. He says, for whoever wants to save their life, you're you're looking about yourself, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And what good is it? To just think about this, guys. We're on a camping trip. We're on this staff retreat. What good is it to gain the whole world and then forfeit your soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You don't have the money. You don't have the capability. You don't have the resources. You don't have the acts, the good works to do it. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his Father's glory with the holy angels. Ouch. What's Jesus saying? I want you to come and die. That's your call. 
that's the last piece for me to hand off the baton. I used to run a computer consulting business in Ohio. I was part of a, I had a partner and we were in a startup and it was an internet consulting company and we were growing pretty rapidly and got some new office space and I needed furniture, cubicles and so forth for our engineers. And I didn't want to pay retail. So I heard about these auctions. Have you ever been to an auction? It's so much fun. I went to this auction. I saw all these cubicles and furniture. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could use that copier. I could use these cubicle walls here. That would be perfect. Some other equipment I wanted. I got my list together. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bid on these. And I got to the cubicles that I was going to bid on. And I started bidding. I'm thinking, okay, 300. Yeah, 300. 500. Yeah, yeah. There was another guy that was bidding with me, and he kept raising it. And I kept trying to beat him. To the point I was going to spend more than retail by the time I got done. Like, have you ever gotten into something where you just got to win? Doesn't matter the cost? I know, that's sometimes marriage too, right? That's, yeah, never mind. And fortunately, I lost the bid. And this older guy sees this going on, and he, he must have known, like, I'm such a rookie. He must have known. He came over to me, just pulled me aside, and said, hey, hey, son, I got, a, I got a little advice for you. Would, you. would it be okay if I shared some advice? To, yeah, please, tell me. He goes, before you start bidding, you got to know your limit. You got to know the max you're going to pay before you bid. Do you know what Jesus is doing here? He's testing your limit. Most of us, and I'm going to be honest, myself included, start the Christian walk setting a limit. Okay, Jesus, I'll follow you as long as I don't have to go to Africa. I'll follow you as long as you make me happy. I'll, I'll follow you as long as you do this for me. I'll follow you as long as you give me enough money for the bills. I'll follow you as long as you make these kids obey. I'll follow you as long as you... And you set your limit. And Jesus is saying, if you want me to be your Lord, you've got to take off the limit. It's not about you physically dying. It's about you dying to yourself. It's not about you uh, giving up your purpose. It's about giving up your pride. Just like a seed must die in the ground for it to produce a tree and produce fruit, you've got to die to yourself for me to produce all that I want out of you. I'm asking you to come and die. And we live in a pandemic season (laughs) where everybody is afraid to die. I get it. That's not the death he's looking for. What he's looking for you is to come and die for him. Friends, I'm not apologetic about calling you to do that. Because here's what I know about Jesus. When you die to him, you get your best ever. When you die to him, he does his greatest with you. So come and see, and come and be, and then come and do, and come and die. That's his calling on your life. And I want to ask you today, which one of those callings is he calling you with today? Which one is he summoning you with right now? Don't set a limit anymore. 
come fully to him. And he'll do his best in you. Ted Kidd had a girlfriend named Janet in college. And she would go out with him every Valentine's Day. They were dating for about six years. And every Valentine's Day, he would like pop the question. He didn't have a ring. He didn't do anything official. He just, he just wanted to pop the question. What if we got married this year? And she would say, nope, nope, not getting married this year. Nope, nope, not getting married this year. Well, finally, he decided we both graduated college. I, I'm buying the ring. I'm setting up the dinner reservations. It's Valentine's Day. I'm going to ask her one more time. And if she says no, I'm just done. I'm moving on because obviously this isn't going to work. One more time, I'm going to ask her, pop the question. So they get to the restaurant and they have dinner and they're sitting there and dessert's about ready to come. And he's shuffling for the ring. He's getting ready to get down on his knee to ask her. And she says, hang on, Ted, before, before you we go to dessert. I have something for you. Okay? And so Janet pulls out this wrapped box and gives it to Ted. So this is my gift to you. Wrapped up in a nice red ribbon and bow and pulls the ribbon off and opens up this little box. Looks like a, a book. And when he opens it up, he sees this cross-stitch plaque. And all it says is, yes. <laughs> yes. Before you ask, yes. What I'm asking you to do today is to say, Jesus, before you ask, yes. I'm ready to come and see who you really are, not who the world says you are. I'm ready to come and see who you truly are. I want to see the full you. I'm ready to come and be. I surrender to you, Jesus. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to come and be. I'm ready to come and do. Not be a volunteer. I'm ready to be your servant. Because a servant cares more about the master's desire than it cares about the work they have to do. And Jesus, whatever the call, I'm ready to come and die. And whatever you ask me to do. Because you are Messiah. Here's what I want to do to close. If you're watching online, you're here. I'm going to ask you to do something. I, don't, I seldom do this, but I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you. And if you feel God calling you with one of those calls to come and see or be or do or die, if you're feeling that right now, if his spirit is speaking to you like it did Peter, I'm just going to ask you in the privacy of this room to stand up. Just by yourself, no matter what anybody else does. If you're home, I'd love for you to stand there before Jesus. And let me pray for you. Jesus, I, I just know in my spirit that you're calling all of us today to come and see or to come and be or maybe to come and do. Maybe it's Maybe it's to come and die to ourselves. And your greatest valentine was to do all of that for us. Your greatest valentine, as you said in this text, was to come and die in place of us. Much better than a box of chocolate. Thank you for your gift of love. I pray for people that are right now wrestling with those decisions that they just come. That 
they would have the courage to just show up to follow you like these disciples, to respond to your call, and to become the person you want them to be. Thank you that you love us enough to invite us in. And we pray for every person that's listening or watching that you would make your call clear to them today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.